0: Months pass as I'm in the position of working at Joseph Brooks's, as his personal assistant. And if you want those details, they're compressed into episode 48, the one that got away. I'm trying to just focus on A Tale of Two Honey Traps, part four. I've already veered so far off base. But back to me being at Joseph Brooks's apartment as his personal assistant after a matter of one or two months and I'm in the sunken place, working there, feeling stuck. My parents had been in their apartment for about a year at that point after losing their house and business and living in a motel for six months while they looked for something to rent. And I'm there uh, terrified that if I try to move to L.A. for the Atlantic film program, my parents would, like, die or something. I'd never even been on an airplane at that point. I didn't know how to drive. I had I had not in any way like criticized the church and uh given that fact I'm only speculating I could be totally wrong but if I'd gone out to LA I probably would have been subjected to further psychological warfare intended to discredit me until I was totally ruined and it would have been easy to do I would have been out there not knowing how to drive in a very competitive environment, lured out to LA where all the other students would have probably had, you know, a significant economic advantage over me, if not for my background alone, certainly following the extensive trauma that I'd experienced with my family at that point. I would have been prime for being turned into some kind of expendable. You know, who knows if somebody wanted to get me out there and, like, turn me into, like, I don't know, like, something really bad. Like, see if I could, like, see if they could, like, get me to, like, kill myself out in Hollywood and make Scientology look like the culprit or something you know really crazy like I think it would have been quite hard to get me to that point I think I think if you subject anybody to a certain level of psychological torture you could get them to self-destruct to some extent if not by straightforward like suicide but obviously you see like in society kids who get bullied enough can get driven to that point prisoners of war who are subjected to enough torture, have a breaking point. Everybody has a breaking point. And I'm thinking, you know, my instincts were telling me I really didn't have the resources or strength to just go out there, given what had already been done to me when I lived two hours from my hometown. So... I mean maybe they really wanted to turn me into an example of Scientology gone wrong or perhaps the church wanted to turn me into an example of what happens when you d- when you don't uh adhere to um the n- the straight and narrow So I start writing the scraps of what is now the book that I'm querying simply to cope with the hulking irreconcilability of my existence. As you can probably tell by my use of that mispronounced, made-up word, the book is excellent. Uh, I'm in this world where I can't let go of either Scientology or the world outside of it. Um, I'm attracted to the world outside of Scientology and I'm like broken by the fact that it can adhere to this utopia that I feel Scientology offers. And I feel um, tainted by that world because of my exposure to Joseph Brooks, which at that point was like the most seedy, nefarious reality I'd, I'd ever encountered firsthand for a prolonged period of time. And couple that with the familial ruin on a financial and business and health level that I had seen happen most acutely to my father, um, and uh, I couldn't, I couldn't really imagine telling people at the church like what went on on a day-to-day basis, just working for Joseph Brooks, the things that he would just say in passing. Um, and as a kind of reminder in terms of my relationship to my sexual orientation at the time, um, I think the only thing that kept... any self-concept of my sexuality as being like a conscious factor in my relationship to the church was just the simple coincidence that I had never developed any kind of like a crush or fallen in love with a woman or felt, felt it was something I was capable of. Um, because love was definitely, like, my my serious weakness from an early age. Who knows if I was, like, conditioned by some kind of weird spy ring for that to be the case. Or if it's just, like, part of my makeup. But I, I think that... I think being, like, a kind of self-absorbed uh, creative type, it's like... I, I, I think I have been disproportionately and heavily prone to follow like the feeling of love, um, like romantic love. And so just because I, I, I trusted men more and women less, probably because of parental, you know, stuff, um, misguided or not, uh, I wound up, you know, being repelled by, you know, trusting any woman on that level, and then probably, probably tending to be, like, more attracted to butch women and almost kind of misogynistically repelled by femme, like, in other people, um... i just there was never uh there was never like that personal experience where i was forced to confront the cognitive dissonance of of sexual identity in my like indoctrination and the fact that like economic circumstances made serious romantic involvement not in the budget for me in the present. Like, um, and like, you know, something I did like find with a couple of boyfriends in my first couple years of college, um, in a pretty cognitive dissonant and Chased like I was still a virgin until until the end of college. Way, um, you know that 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 was something where, like, the only you know, it's always like it's so often love that makes somebody defect from whatever it is they haven't defected from yet um and it doesn't necessarily have to be of a particular sexual orientation but like love is one of the most potent ways to get t- for somebody to defect from whatever it is their country their church their family their hate group whatever it is um i guess um i mean there it, there are charts that law enforcement and spy agencies like reference in terms of kind of mapping the different kinds of motivators that informants and spies have. Some do it because they want to be a hero. Some do it for money. Some do it to shorten their jail sentence or their prison sentence. Uh, some do it because they, uh, like to, you know, um, they like to like have power. I I think my motivation is love. I would say, uh, love and art, I guess. I think, um, and those aren't necessarily like, like if I was a, if I was a dog, I would be play motivated, not food motivated. I guess depending on how hungry I was, but Um, I think, I think you could make me food motivated if you like deprived me of food in general. But um, when I have my Maslow's hierarchy of needs filled, which I hope can one day be a consistent circumstance, um, my motivations are love and like type of work that I'm given the opportunity to do so I think that I've been over time studied for those personality traits and then had them used against me as motivators in this black ops unfortunately um and often often to my detriment so I'm stuck in this circumstance with Joseph Brooks at that point, and um, I'm pretty much defeated at all avenues, ideologically and economically, that would have... Seemed like an obvious way out. And uh, my decisiveness and my uh, pre-existing healthy-minded individual Scientology doctrine is kind of neutralized. And I'm not able to reconcile reality with doctrine. At that point in the sunken place, I... I kind of start writing trying to write my way out of it in bits and pieces writing this book um, you know in in scraps I'm not able to sit and like consistently work cuz of my addled mind and my stress stress-flooded system and my many un unseen aspects of self and experiences all, you know, garbled inside of me don't really permit this consistent adulthood that actually lets you coherently, systematically sit down and actually try to write a book. Um, But I had, you know, the conceptualization of it and was doing it in bits and pieces as I tried to gather my life together um intermittently i show up back at the church and i'm like i'm working my parents you know totally collapsed i can't even deal with it i can't even deal with them as people but i still feel the need to provide for them and guard them and make sure you know nothing bad happens to them um I don't know what I can do or when I can be back, you know, the church. I, I can't work on staff because here's a sheet of paper. I've written out the hours in a week. Here are the things I have to do in those hours in the week. There's clearly no time for me to also work in a church staff position and make the money I need to survive and actually, you know, be an actor. Um... And I leave the church basically feeling like I've willfully decided to show a lack of ability to take ultimate responsibility for the future of mankind, and that I choose selfishness. And in my mind, I have no hostility towards them, but I basically felt like I intentionally made myself smaller by saying... I can't let go of my desire to be an artist in this lifetime. And I I choose to immerse myself into, like, the world and basically perform what amounts to, like, an almost, like, an act of exploitation and decadence of the state of the world's suffering and confusion by choosing to basically use my powers for personal artistic pursuit there was a instance where when I had agreed to sit down and be recruited to sign up to join it was staff or Sea org and you know it was it was the the script of um you know they were saying like this is how terrible the world is this is what's happening like you you need to take responsibility and like do the most ethical thing which is to like basically devote yourself to this this cause and I was like oh well I could be an actor and then I could serve it I could serve Scientology by being an actor because you know if I'm an actor then you know then it's like it's it's like Tom Cruise like people know Tom Cruise is a Scientologist so then they want to do it and my feeling was was like half-hearted Because I really had always been, like, wanted to um, be an artist before I even knew about Scientology. I just was an artist, always, from a very young age. Um, And I was always trying to, like break out of my immediate life circumstances in pursuit of that Um, and um, at the same time the logic of Scientology is that you know you have multiple lifetimes you can be an artist in your next lifetime um, but we need to save the planet now and and And, um, and so I was like, oh, and, and then the person recruiting me was like, come on Joyce, what are, what are the chances of that though? Like, what are the, what are the chances, you know, that you'll be as well known as Tom Cruise? And I was like, well, what if, even if I'm not, I still want to be an artist, like an actor or, you know, um, and problem with that is of course then I have to go out into the world and prove that oh I don't want to be successful I really do want to be an artist so like kind of like adding this level of needing to sabotage any sense of overtly wanting to just book paid jobs just to prove that I'm not in it for any kind of gain So I'm like now I'm like there's this added level of like I've kind of been programmed to need to prove to these people who I'm morally abandoning that I'm so devoted that I need to just that I'm so devoted that I'll just do like nothing to actually help myself to secure any kind of like material sanction in the form of just wanting to do work that i also get paid for in addition to 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 loving so it it really program i've already ha- i have a lot of weird stuff programmed about money because it's like you um <laughs> you kind of are like if if it's like if it's, if it's like, oh, I'm not doing things directly to serve Scientology, then what is the purpose at all? Um, so that break from what I perceived then as a certain level of ethical performance and commitment, that shift from now saying okay i'm deciding that i'm putting myself in the position of being like a mere mortal who has selfish desires to go and be an artist it because of the way the moral structure was set up for me it allowed a kind of self immolation Um, To kind of creep in because it's like I needed to prove it's like almost like I needed to prove or perform my own degradation as a way of uh, not being a recruitment target to join staff Um, and it was not conscious it was subconscious but it was I think it may have been there. And there was a sense of oh my god like I don't feel like I'm a target for being recruited to join staff it's now like I have this infinite time I can definitely like go be an artist after you know all that pressure is lifted now it's like that would be just so easy but unfortunately I was not left to my own devices on that journey. I was being monitored by spies and saboteurs who needed to make sure I did not succeed. And maybe they were Scientology spies who viewed me as a liability, or maybe they were anti-Scientology spies who needed to make sure that I did not succeed. And risk becoming a possible endorsement for the church, even at a relatively entry-level uh, television actor status when compared to somebody like Tom Cruise. Um, in effect, it was in the interest of both anti- and pro-Scientology parties to maybe just neutralize me, because... Um, quietly and unremarkably, but I, I, uh, returned to the church maybe one, maybe one or two more times, uh, after, you know, those couple first months of working for Joseph Brooks. My sense of timing is a little foggy. Um, I really felt like I had done so many things kind of wrong or neglectfully, like I just couldn't tell them that day to day, like every interaction with Joseph Brooks, like with kind of how like kind of nasty he was, um, felt like an overt and withhold against Scientology. Like it was, it was like marring me somehow. Um, I, I like had coped with like the Raphael, um, thing when it finally just like, was uh no longer a backstage flirtation and like instead like kind of like a septic toxic pool inside of me uh, by like making a couple absurd YouTube videos. and i I remember that were like a parody of my my own like sort of um embittered, regressive like, like romantic jilting um they were they were like fiction fictional videos um they didn't like reference any actual people um but they were like a character i made in a video um and i remember standing outside of the church and making small talk with uh like a pretty high ranking staff member who Actually, I ha- also had an identical twin who was also a staff member, and I can't remember which one it wa- which one of the twins it was. There were actually a couple sets of twins at the church, um, and he said, "Oh yeah, those videos you made—they were funny." And then, and then he was like, "Were they about someone?" And at the time, it didn't occur to me at all that anyone at the church would ever do anything like clandestine uh and I could also be just speculating um there was an there was a knowing in his voice when he said were they about someone the videos were they about a specific person and I I lied and I said no they weren't um and I'd like Rarely consciously lied to somebody in the church like a staff member Um, I think the fact that these staff members were like my age or a little younger made me trust them less Um, not consciously but just instinctually Um, I felt much more safer putting my trust in adults and I I don't necessarily know what the if that's just me, um, but anyway, he may have just been asking because the videos were obviously, uh, like they were kind of like humor, dark humor videos. It wouldn't be a stretch to ask an actor if a video based on romantic jilting as a theme was based on an actual person. Um, So he could have just been asking the way a church staff member would check up on one of their church members to see if everything was okay. Or, um, he could have been involved in some effort to spy on my activity while I was in that show with Raphael Goldstein. And even at that point, maybe the church was interested in driving home the fact that, of course, I was in a downward spiral because I had left left my previous level of commitment. Um, who knows? So, I really don't know if... Maybe I was being used as a behavioral experiment to see how difficult it is to get a Scientology parishioner to defect or see if it was possible to program and then deprogram me, see if study technology is something that can be deprogrammed, see if I functioned differently after being lured away from the church, or see how resistant the bull bait drills make somebody to, you know, Joseph Brooks's attempts to groom them as an enabler, or perhaps different people, like, experiment on Scientology in different ways, and different people might get like programmed and used for different reasons by different government agencies and maybe it depends on a number of factors that can't always be predicted. Maybe some people are just left alone and left to be like a fairly relatively normal day-to-day church member. Um, Maybe others are exploited. Uh, I just, I don't even know. I don't even know if it's worth it to try to think about it because you can't really put all the pieces together. You can only speculate according to your 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 preferences and biases and experiences and tastes. Um, I happened to see online that there is apparently like some wikipedia entry about at least one cia employee who got to like the highest ot level and like did say scientology really helped him with his like remote viewing attempts um which like i think remote viewing is maybe like a some CIA people did experiments with it. It's like falls into the category of parapsychology. It's completely not a legitimate science. I mean, according to science. So, um, but at the same time, apparently, law enforcement occasionally hires psychics. So, I don't even know if this guy is like a plant who's just tasked with being vocal about being a CIA agent so that other CIA agents who don't want to be found out are all the more concealed. Maybe he is just a plant tasked with reinforcing mythology of the church or fostering a culture of conspiracy theory. Well... I guess that's a subject for a different episode. Um, I've seen and read like a couple different testimonies from defected spies or like blown cover spies that have mentioned certain operations do require an operative to be married so that basically if they get brainwashed or recruited by the opposition their spouse and family is leverage to prevent them from say falling in love with a scientologist if their job is to get in a relationship with that person in order to spy on the church. Um, Like if you wind up in like a six-year relationship with some woman because you're spying on her, you know, fringe activist group or possible terrorist involvement or her Scientology involvement, um, you know you're less likely to just you know defect to her side if your employer you know kind of reminds you that hey you already have like a wife that you married to that you know can totally blow your cover if you decide to run off with the Scientologist and join the Sea Org so um if the guilt alone isn't enough Uh, Raphael was the honey trap of my early 20s, Um, the great, the great one of the, you know, the big honey trap of my early 20s. Julia was the big honey trap of my late 20s, a mere six years later, and yet it seemed like ages. There were some interesting similarities between them, or at least their covers. Uh, Both of them had a very Rasputin-like magnetism, drastically different personalities, but both very charismatic. It was a stealth charisma. Each of them I met in a very quick encounter, uh, at least a year prior to when I actually met each of them in a rehearsal. Both initially seemed suspicious of me. Uh, then it was like I was like falling for each person before I could control what was happening. Uh, with Julia, I would say my personality had been so closely studied by multiple operatives at that point Julia only had to use a series of triggers in neurolinguistic programming to activate what from all outside appearances could have been portrayed as inexplicable one-sided erotomania on my part uh, for someone who's not familiar with MK Ultra and had to like study these things um, even informally uh, thanks to my you know Amateur conspiracy theory, theorist research, um, and my rather admirable patience, um, I've, you know, been able to kind of reverse engineer some of what Julia did, which I think may amount to some kind of weird government behavioral experiment. I, I think Julia was probably on a need to know basis. Um, you don't really know not all of it could be Julia's fault, but, um, I feel like the CIA should at least offer me a cushy work-from-home job or something for all of the, all of the, uh, stuff I've managed to kind of pull apart and, like, preserve some of my sanity in the process, but, Raphael and Julia both had what I believe was some form of no-initiation honey trap clause. Uh, Some honey traps are, from my research, um, very, very strictly prohibited from making any kind of a first move on a target. Uh, Raphael had a really specific story he once told me as to why he could not do that, and Julia actually had another operative, uh, like, not so discreetly make a point of telling me that Julia was, uh, really socially w- weird. You just have to like, you know, go up and and like, kiss her. I don't know if, um, you know this was done in each case to try to get me to initiate making a first move so that I could be made to look like a totally tone deaf predator or because they did need to get involved with me strictly for honey trap purposes and were trying to get me to like make a first move which is really really not in my comfort zone at all and It turns out my instincts are pretty stellar, considering that it turns out both of these people are honey traps, possibly tasked with, you know, destroying and discrediting me. Um, so basically I can never trust humans again. Um, and you know, if I can sue everyone involved, get millions of dollars, get all my questions answered I would be open to reconciling with Julia if it turned out the feelings were mutual. Um, It, it sucks because, you know, let's say the honey traps, you know, there were honey traps following the rules, following their no initiation, like no first move clause. Um, And then that means that anyone who did make a first move that i was involved with that was using me to spy on scientology uh they were the they were the unethical undercovers they were like the shitty people who were willing to break the rules and violate you know human rights um so another thing i recall is that julia and Raphael each mentioned having two or three siblings i'm not sure what their birth order was um there was this sense of, you know, with me being an only child that they had like opposite strengths from me in that they were accustomed to having, um, to compete for like parental attention. Um, there was this sense that, you know, they, thrived most easily in a group where they could triangulate friends, romantic interests, whoever, into a formation that simulated the sibling dynamic for them. Uh, That could be me reading into it a little too much. I don't know um, how much of their stories were cover stories. I don't know if Raphael and Julia were consciously participating as operatives or if they were as bred and programmed by the CIA and you know their religious experiences and their life experiences as I was and just put together with me knowing that a certain reaction was likely to happen. Perhaps there's more magic in the world that I'm giving it credit for and perhaps the synchronicities and repetitions and mirroring of human behavior are no more unnatural than what occurs in an ant colony or, the fractals that form the basis of the geometry of the universe. Perhaps there is a psychic resonance that guides us and forms an organic reverberation between people and the CIA is maybe seeking to study it and harness it and control it and use it and understand it, no more or less than any other country. It's possible to drive yourself crazy thinking about it and even more possible to look crazy talking about it. Unfortunately, some of Julia's use of neurolinguistic programming was a little too specific not to be a setup and not the good kind of setup where we end up together romantically at the end, but the bad kind of setup where friends and collaborators of many years will continue to take incentive in exchange for icing me out, and the CIA is probably at this point just trying to quietly relegate me to an unremarkable fade into obscurity on the margins of society where I'll never have a book deal or career or any wealth of even a modest middle-class variety that many of the operatives incentivized to falsely discredit me will get to enjoy it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win